Hi, welcome to Conversations on Public Health. I'm your host Prachi. Join me every week as I travel across India, speaking to folks who are solving massive public health challenges facing our country and the larger developing world. Hi Jyoti, a very welcome to our show. Thank you so much and uh, thank you for inviting me to this wonderful podcast on this very important topic. So our topic today is air pollution um, and I know that it's a very important part of your personal journey. I wrote a book on air pollution because I thought it was a really important topic and when people ask me why I chose this topic to write on my answer to that is simple it's to help others like me to understand the health harm that air pollution triggers my book is called breathing here is injurious to your health uh and it is actually the title says it all we can't see these tiny deadly lethal particles and like most people i didn't know how poisonous they were when i moved back to india after living briefly in california so i was born and mostly raised in new delhi uh and my husband's job took us to palo alto i had been a financial journalist with dow jones in india and uh when i had my two children and uh, my husband uh, uh, got transferred to california we decided that uh you know we will take that uh, transfer and and i was living there with my young children and we made a very conscious choice to move our family back to india and we wanted to do it because we wanted our children to know their uh, rich culture find their identity in the land of our ancestors spend more time with their grandparents i wanted them to actually i wanted us to adopt the best practices of the east and the west and i wanted my children to get a feeling of both countries but very soon after my return something felt very wrong you know um i think when we are young we feel immortal i had not really i had grown up in a fairly polluted delhi but it didn't affect me the way it affected me when i came back to live here as a mother and i moved from a very clean uh, very bright sunlight blue sky california to a very sort of gray and dystopic uh, city uh my uh, i had a lot of uh, friends who i had grown up with and uh, i had also made a lot of uh, expat friends and they kept asking me they kept talking about the toxic air here and asking me why i would come back to expose my young children to health mm-hmm. harm but my childhood friends on the other hand would you know sort of laugh at me and say you know you've become a typical nri become too paranoid after living in the west and you know i was confused and as a journalist uh, there was only one thing to do for me i decided to just dive into it and investigate it for myself and what i found was shocking what what i found was that air pollution was causing immense health harm but what was even more shocking was that all the science and data was out there it was out there hidden in plain sight in research silos labs research papers but it was there and uh it was you know when i found other parents like me who were using science and evidence to educate themselves that we began uh sort of a platform which we called care for air and it was meant to spread awareness build advocacy and drive change in the area of clean air this was my journey until about 
but in 2017 it became very personal when my mother got diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer and i realized that although i knew so much about air pollution you know i hadn't realized how much in my own backyard this was i don't know if uh, i think many of us have gone through this in different ways but watching a loved one suffer is also a kind of suffering and when my mother passed away struggling to breathe in her last weeks it was a uh, a time for me that you know knowing everything that i knew in my head and in my heart it became very clear that this was a problem that i needed to talk about to other people so i wrote this book so that others could learn faster than i did mm-hmm. i wrote it to make meaning out of my mother's death it helped me to process my own grief but it also helped me connect the dots between air pollution and death disability and disease much more strongly what the mind does not know the eyes cannot see and i wanted everybody to be able to see what i had seen and experienced in terms of the learning uh, through this journey of these last 6 uh, 7 years i have to say that the four main things that i have learned along the way are that one air pollution is not just a delhi or even a north india problem in fact the latest paper by the central pollution control board in iit delhi shows that pollution is growing faster in other parts of the country uh 95% more than 95% of india breathes air that exceeds who recommended limits and it is as much a rural as as an urban issue in fact in some rural areas uh, air pollution can be extremely high because indoor air pollution by women who are cooking with cow dung wood and other bio uh, materials in their kitchens uh, causes the uh, indoor air pollution to be very high and and also causes health harm second air pollution is not a seasonal problem it is a year round problem and even the least polluted summer months have a higher pm 2.5 level than those recommended than the limits recommended by the who i mean you can now check the data for yourself there are a lot of apps that show you that um there are very few uh, i think the, in in one year there was maybe one day where we were at levels that were lower during the lockdown we were at a, uh, i think there was one day when we had air pollution at the who recommended limits otherwise we've never had uh, low air pollution under 10 uh third air pollution doesn't just affect the lungs and the respiratory system it affects every organ in the human body the reason for that is simple uh these tiny particles uh, uh are so small that uh, they get they bypass you know the nose hair and all other uh, barriers of the human body and they go straight and sink into the lungs and through the blood stream they are carried to every organ in the human body and there are about 70000 research papers that link air pollution to health harm mm-hmm. its effects are cumulative and irreversible and that is the scary part because you know there are things there are other pollutants in the air like pm10 which are like dust particles etc which do affect the respiratory system they can cause asthma attacks they can you know cause other uh, reversible uh, uh diseases but the pm 2.5 just goes and settles into your lungs and it will never come mm-hmm. out so that i think is again very scary and lastly 
uh, and very importantly i learned that air pollution is a social inequity it affects all of us but uh, the privileged and the rich are able to protect ourselves much better than the poor uh, you know we are able to buy air purifiers we are able to buy high end masks um, and sadly the rich also end up uh, generating more pollution profits are booked privately but the harm is felt collectively and disproportionately i don't know uh, how many poor people or people let's say even daily wages or uh, traffic cops or uh, auto rickshaw drivers have the uh, luxury of saying well you know what i don't think i'll go into work today because air pollution is so high firstly they are not as aware though you'd be surprised at how aware auto rickshaw drivers are there is research in uh, uh, that that is being carried out in bangalore uh, which is actually focused on techies young techies and auto rickshaw drivers uh, uh, who are uh, traveling in uh, the polluted parts of of uh, cities and uh, young people as you know people as young as 16 have had heart attacks which have been caused by a high level of pm 2.5 in the air again this is all research that is ongoing mm-hmm. and can easily be checked and my book has cited a lot of these things so that you can check it out for yourself that's really why i wanted to write a book which was a personal story because we as human beings respond to personal stories but i also wanted to have everything that i say backed by evidence and mm-hmm. science so those are the really four big things there are of course many other smaller things now i'd briefly like to get into each one of these points that you made um the one that's most compelling to me is uh, you know how all of us sort of like give vague statements about uh, yeah you know pollution causes health harm but very few of us are able to create that unbroken and detailed chain between a pollution source and uh, you know our sickness or uh, bad health um and i would really like to start with like the stealthiest and the slimiest of all villains which which is pm 2.5 so i think uh, what you're trying to ask and it's a very good question is how do we actually make that you know connect those dots between air pollution and health harm and for that there is something that dr randeep kolaria and i have quoted him in my book he's the all india medical institute uh, director and he told me this he said you know uh, air pollution is like the trigger that is pulled on the genetic predilection that people might have so let's say if in my family there is some uh, history of diabetes and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know maybe a heart issue hypertension if i was not living in a very polluted city like delhi i may never have got those things even though i may be genetically predisposed to get them but because mm-hmm. i am living in in a city like delhi which is which has extremely high levels of pm 2.5 in the air that i'm breathing all the time you know 25000 times a day i it's that 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 trigger is being pulled and therefore i will definitely get these illnesses if i continue to live and breathe in this air than if i was living in 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 another cleaner city the other thing that is very disturbing and i have quoted that in my book as well is that children born in india and in in polluted parts of india which is basically most of india have mm-hmm. smaller lung sizes 
they mm -hmm. have a, a lower lung function and mm -hmm. so by not removing by not getting clean air we are actually setting up our young for failure because they are always going to be at a disadvantage compared to children who grow in cleaner parts of the world and that to me is again unconscionable to to make sure that your young are already at a disadvantage uh, compared in in their health compared to other uh, people living in other cleaner cities is just not done that is a violation of our human uh, uh, it's it's really a violation of our of our uh, human rights from here i think the points you made flow very well into the second question i wanted to ask you which is the normalization of air pollution as you said it yeah um i think my specific doubt is this that you know as a country where most people use firewood or coal to cook food and they do it indoors uh, which obviously causes a lot of indoor pollution and so i feel like air pollution has always been a part of our collective psyche even though we've not really labeled it as air pollution or understood it for the harms that it can cause to our body no absolutely and and i think the point that you make is a very good point because not only is uh, the it, especially in rural areas uh, the job of of cooking for their families uh, falls upon the women of the family and therefore all the health harm that comes from you know cooking in smoky little kitchens with cow dung and you know cow dung is an extremely smoky uh, uh, fuel to use and you know wood mm -hmm. when it's not completely dry again can and it it smolders and so a lot of smoke is formed and to breathe in this smoke you're again young children who are with their mothers in the kitchen and women are greatly affected by this and it is not just that they start with getting Uh, it won't straight away go uh, you know become a respiratory issue they will get hypertension they will get so many different diseases you get diabetes air pollution causes uh, can cause diseases as diverse as breast cancer it can trigger a lot of different cancers it causes infertility it causes dementia alzheimers it can trigger uh, depression a lot of cognitive harm uh, air pollution can basically trigger as many diseases as there are in the world and and research is ongoing i'd also sort of like now want to talk a little bit about the research where is this research conducted is it conducted in in western countries is, is it is it conducted on smokers mostly unfortunately that has been one of the uh, i would say excuses that uh, the indian government and our legislators have used uh because a lot of this research has been conducted in the west some of it has been conducted in other asian countries um uh, but the point is human lungs are pretty much the same and as human beings uh you know when we are breathing in and out uh it mm -hmm. is going to affect us there may be uh, small differences you know depending on whether you know you're caucasian or what what uh, ethnicity you come from but the main point of how air pollution affects uh, human health doesn't change and and that unfortunately has been one of the excuses that the indian uh, mm -hmm. government has used in the past and uh, the other one being of course that air pollution can never be on anybody's death certificate which thankfully 
has now changed because just last year, uh, uh, a young girl called Ella Kissy Debra, who had died due to uh, asthma and complications um, in uh, a, a few, about seven years ago, her mother has managed to get the inquest for her daughter. Uh, so Rosamond has managed to get the inquest for her daughter opened and now air pollution for the very first time shows up on a death certificate as one of the causes of the death of this nine-year-old child. Do you think that's the those are the kind of steps we need in India yes. to sort of like serve as a wake-up call? Of course, we we need the basic thing that we need in India is greater awareness of the health harm of air pollution because a lot of people are still unaware of how much health harm air pollution mm-hmm. causes. You know, many people will say like when we go to policymakers and decision makers and we try and tell them and in the past when we were trying to spread awareness, they would say, oh, you know, this is a, a, a very elite issue. People uh, don't have uh, money to you know, have, uh, um, they're dying of hunger. Now, even before you can, it's like when you, a doctor will say, first do no harm. So the first do no harm principle in, in terms of even somebody who doesn't have money to have two meals a day, at least you are not taking away his basic existing health, which you are doing when that person, he may not have a job, but at least he is not unwell and he doesn't have to spend money to go to a doctor and say, I have this hacking cough or I have this other problem. What is, you know, make me well again? Because health is something that is, if you ask anyone to choose between health and wealth, let's say you tell somebody, okay, you know, you can, I'll, I can give you 50 lakhs or, and, and you get cancer with it, or I, you have no money and you have good health. I think maximum number of people would choose health over wealth i mean how much can you go with uh, you know but you know that's 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 what we think people will choose but so many people are consciously choosing to live in these overcrowded over polluted cities and towns across india and i think that's because they haven't made that final connection between how living in these horribly polluted urban, uh, I would literally call them urban areas of poison are actually affecting their health. When that last uh, dot is connected, I think this will change. People are already leaving from, you know, I have in in one chapter of my book, I've talked about the expat exodus, how a lot of people left from India when this whole air pollution causing health harm uh, became more and more it started becoming more uh, people started becoming more aware about it in fact there were some embassies that had made india a hardship posting and some of them had made it a non-family posting which is what you do when you are sending your diplomats into areas of conflict or areas where their war zones exactly so they were getting more money for coming here and they were also being told not to bring their uh, families young children etc so that was happening at the expat level pretty early on uh, and 2015 2016 saw a lot of uh, exodus of, of uh, foreign uh, diplomats uh, after that uh, I, and my book has interviewed some of these people who tried to leave delhi to go to other uh, uh, parts of india that they thought might be cleaner like goa which is by the sea and so you know a lot of the sea breeze blows away the 
pollution but there were also enough people trying to get out of india and i have quoted some of those people as well in the book who made a very conscious decision and they didn't want to leave their country we are already seeing that kind of exodus and i think it'll just get worse there's been a recent um, uh, i don't know if if you saw that news report where a bangladeshi citizen uh, in france was uh, was given sort of re uh, refugee status and and not sent and not deported to his home country because he had uh, asthma and they felt that by deporting him to bangladesh which again has high pollution levels uh, they mm -hmm. will be it's like sending him to his death and so the more environmental refugees or pollution refugees uh, that you find uh, coming about in the world that's when i think people will realize you cannot i mean india may have high growth level, uh, rates but you nobody is going to send their people here they may send their money here but they will not send their people because nobody wants to choose bad health uh, over anything else i'd like to talk a little bit about the stark difference between this you know small bunch of people who have the privilege to be able to do something like this and a larger bunch of uh, you know indians who will never think about making the same choice yeah and that's why i feel that this is a social inequity i mean uh, even for me when i came back uh, i uh, my we decided to give up our green card we chose actively our own country it was an active choice it was not just a choice of okay i'm born here and i don't have an option and i will die here we made a choice to come back we gave up our green card we wanted our children to grow and thrive here and now i'm at a point where i'm telling my children leave leave if you can because we are stuck but you're not you're still young and that is a choice i think many aware indians will be making once they realize how air pollution is affecting them of course there are as many who will be in denial because you know i was there myself i did not i i did not want to believe that you know i made the wrong choice or that i've come back to be with my parents and now my mother's dying of lung cancer because you know they they were just breathing bad air all their lives but it is something that you have to one day you have to face that truth and you have to decide what you want to do with it and what is more important for you i feel like air pollution is a classic um negative externality problem it is you've actually put your finger on that it's it's also what is described as a wicked problem and it's there in one of the chapters in my book where i've started the chapter by explaining what a wicked problem is and how difficult it is to solve a wicked problem so it is really a classic problem of an externality and i'll give you a quick example of that even in the in the situation of our own life so let's say i have an air purifier in my bedroom that air purifier has a filter which is trapping pm2.5 and when that air purifier's filter gets fully clogged i take it out and i throw it in my trash there is no responsible mm -hmm. disposal of such items at present so i throw it in my trash and what am i doing by doing that is i am actually it's going to go to the landfill and it's going to be burnt there because our landfills again are uh, as tall as qutub uh, minar and and taller than mm -hmm. uh, taj mahal and they burn uh, they sometimes catch fire spontaneously and other times that they are put on fire because uh, even our municipal workers know there is no way of disposing this material so i am cleaning my little home but that trash is going and 
being burnt and going into the lungs of the waste workers and the people who live around the Ghazipur or the Balaswa or the other landfills. And that is one way of showing an externality. Another way, which is actually even worse, is let's say you have a coal plant and you have miners there and you're not going to be living anywhere close to that. The owners will not be living anywhere close to that, but the miners will be breathing in. They will be making, the owners will be making a great deal of profits, but the collective harm that is being caused by the bad air that is being breathed is going to be felt by the public. So again, an externality, mm. somebody makes the money and somebody else suffers the harm. And that's why it's important to make sure that the polluter pays. And the polluter pays a high price because that's the only way they will be able to, you know, uh, in, in economics, there's, there's a term where you are, when you don't, uh, how do I explain this? Uh, so the difference between economic growth and development is that development incorporates some of the things that don't have an, a tangible value to them. For example, education, healthcare. The minute we add to our economic growth numbers, if we minus from that the amount of health harm that air pollution causes and therefore loss of productivity you know loss of days that you're going to doctors and and people are sick if you if you're able to minus that from your economic growth india's growth will not be showing the kind of great numbers that it has been in the past so that yeah, you think it's not adjusting for environmental harm yes it's not adjusted for environmental harm and let's not forget growth is a construct it's a it's a very it's a man-made construct that came up to sort of try and find a way to capture how much productivity a country was uh, was uh, you know uh, how much productivity was coming out of a country so it was a construct so like and narrowly defined very narrow exactly you know we've talked a lot about what is wrong and why it's wrong let's talk a little bit about what we can do to change this i know that you know at some level if i choose to use the metro or i choose to like switch off uh, you know electric points in my house when i'm not using them it may help but i do feel like it is an extremely tiny drop in the ocean hmm. um and i'm not convinced that all of us doing all of these things will even change anything no, and again, you're right there, because although it's important for all of us to do this stuff, the, these are tiny drops in the ocean. Uh, there are, uh, it doesn't mean that we, we, we stop doing them, because it isn't as if just civilians doing their jobs, civil society doing their jobs will change things. We need the government, we need the corporates, and we need civil society to join hands across all political or any other i mean this has to be uh, across political parties across anything we have to join hands it's it's too big a problem to be dealt with by just civil society so, so you're saying we need to respond not just as consumers but also as voters as everything we need to use our ballots we need to use our wallets so today mm -hmm. for example if i know that between two e-commerce sites, let's take Amazon and Flipkart just because they're there. Uh, let's say if, if Flipkart decided that I will be using electric vehicles to do my last mile of delivery, uh, even if it's cheaper for them to do that, 
and it will be because you know renewable energy and electric vehicles should get cheaper as time goes by i should be as a consumer willing to pay more to flipkart for the same product because i am using my wallet now to say i choose environmental cleanliness and i i choose a green product over a product that is causing pollution mm-hmm. so i can use my wallet to make those choices and and companies will have to uh, respond to that i have to choose my ballots i have to vote for uh, parties that believe that this is so important you know it's uh, things that are visible like planting trees etc many uh, political parties will do but prevent prevention is not something that's very glamorous so preventing health harm very few political parties will stick their neck out for that so it's very important to understand that this is at a deeper and a more nuanced level and just coming back to the positive things i will say though that you know um uh, i don't know you must have heard of the pm ujwala yojana where they have tried to give uh, 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 lpg to uh, right. below poverty line now they have covered a huge uh, almost the entire country and this is excellent because the minute you give uh, uh, somebody who is burning wood and cooking and cooking is an activity that happens three times a day uh, every day uh, the minute you're giving them lpg uh, you're actually uh, uh, helping with uh, pollution in a big way because again research has proven that uh, almost 30% of outdoor pollution is contributed by indoor pollution because ultimately what is in your kitchens and homes all the smoke will travel out and contribute to the ambient air pollution so the government has done a great job there now where they went wrong was they gave it as a sort of almost like a, okay you're poor you can't afford a, a lpg we'll give it to you what they did not do and i think that is what caused the problem is they again missed that opportunity to link air pollution to health harm now if they tell a woman that i'm giving you this lpg you use it every month even when it runs out please buy the next one because when you are using this you are actually investing in your own health because when you cook with wood mm. you are causing all these issues the minute they do that the woman and if not for herself for the sake of her children will do that but they miss that opportunity and so what has happened is a lot of people have taken that first cylinder but they are not refilling it and they are not reusing it because wood is still free cow dung is still free so anything mm-hmm. that they spend on the cylinder still is an outgo however if they had been told that that money that they are spending is going towards their health they would do it right what are other policy changes you think we need i think the one of the sure biggest that, things we need yeah. is we need to stop depending on coal and fossil fuels we are going to become fossils ourselves if we continue to dig up more coal from and, and indian coal unfortunately is not the top quality coal if you go to areas mm. where uh, the mines are uh, mines are you will find such high levels of illnesses it is actually mm. the most depressing thing to even read about so we need to stop depending on coal actually now it is cheaper to produce renewable energy and more and more right. it is becoming uh, uh, just the most economic thing to do 
and yet we are not moving right. faster we need to have more ambitious goals we need to produce that renewable energy and we need to use like for example electric vehicles i think one of the best things mm-hmm. the delhi government did was come out with an electric vehicle policy again unfortunately the execution still needs a lot to be uh, uh, desired because you still need electric charging outlets you need to have the infrastructure in place to encourage people to switch to something like this and you definitely need more of the waste segregation so that there is no garbage burning there's a lot of right. garbage burning happening and i think even stubble burning there are at least 10 different things uh that mm-hmm. uh, that uh, contribute to air pollution and each of those need to be handled one of the things that our organization had done was we managed to get um uh, so one of the people in my organization is a supreme court uh, a supreme court uh, senior advocate who had uh, on behalf of three toddlers uh, pl- uh, petitioned the uh, supreme court that please ban fireworks because the lungs of young kids are being compromised and fireworks were banned uh, and are still banned uh, it's a different matter that people still like them and they are so enforcement of the law needs to be done more and things like this where you know you can segregate garbage you don't burn anything like i said in the beginning anything that burns creates pollution so you need to watch what you're burning and be very clear that if unless you don't stop emissions at source you're not going to be able to solve this problem right i think you've painted a real but grim picture of um the direction in which you know we're headed when it comes to air pollution yeah do you think there is a silver lining in the story or is that too much to ask <laughs> so i think one of the things that covid taught us of course one of the negative things that uh, that covid taught us was that areas which have high levels of air pollution will see a lot of people with already compromised lungs and therefore uh, more susceptibility higher susceptibility to covid and now you can see the india numbers for yourself but one of the things that the lockdown of covid one of the silver linings of that cloud that uh, covid uh, taught us was that air pollution actually is still reversible you know there if you remember last year the lockdown in march and april uh, had shown us that the haze can go away people could see the dholadhar range people could see you know uh, uh, it was almost like somebody had lifted the shroud of our country and you could just see the blue skies and the sun so it is still reversible and i think that's a very uh, that's that's that there's a lot of hope there because that means a lot of what is man made can also be man unmade and i think mm-hmm. that to me is really really positive but we need to make that choice actively and not just make the choice actively we need to choose green growth over you know we can call it black growth or brown growth or whatever it is that is going to end up killing us we need that green growth and if we don't make that change now in fact i think in my book there is an entire chapter chapter 14 which is uh, which which finds this connection between covid and also shows how the government in the beginning was able to very quickly uh uh use uh, the co- you know everything in its power to sh- uh, to to uh express how much of a public health emergency covid was if they did the same thing with air pollution we would be in a whole different place right now would you be open to a short reading from the book yeah 
this is a chapter uh, which is uh, which is sort of putting together the essence of the book and i just started with a personal thought experiment i will never see my mother again hear her melodious voice practicing her tans except in my dreams then over time as my friend anjali who lost her beloved father to lung disease and was quietly shattered by it says i will be afraid of forgetting details i know i am not alone in mourning someone lost to a cause that can be linked directly to the foul air we breathe every day i come across more and more people who are suffering from lung disease cancers fibrosis strokes cardiac disease and so many other diseases that are triggered by air pollution friends whose mothers lungs were found to have fluid whose fathers suffered a cardiac arrest soon after diwali non-smoking neighbors who got a sudden severe lung infection in the north indian winter elderly relatives who were admitted to hospital for a broken hip after a fall but passed away from lung infection i never wanted to be an activist i am not a pollution expert scientist public health researcher or epidemiologist i never set out to be an environmentalist i think of myself simply as a survivor an aware informed and vigilant resident of delhi who is trying to survive delhi's poor air amongst its other urban challenges diwali used to be a time when i prepared my house for festivities and opened it up to friends and family but now it is a time when i start worrying about the air quality and start shuttering my home to the outside air duct taping each window carefully in order to protect my family that sinking feeling in my heart begins usually after the shera just before the bright winter sunshine of my childhood withers to a dull dystopian gray when stepping out of the door makes my eyes water every so often i have a sudden memory of another day of another sky a clear bright blue of crisp winter mornings back then I could enjoy the beauty of an orange pink sunset without haze obscuring my view. Winters meant outdoor picnics with friends under cotton ball skies. Now, I worry that I will grow old in the dim haze of grey Delhi winters, the winter of my own life overshadowed by the debris of diseases triggered by pollution. My few remaining friends suffering with me. those who can get away forced to scatter i know many others feel the same way those who have known a different delhi who still have fleeting memories of that long vanished sky delhi's toxic pollution has become much more than an environmental problem for me it is now an existential crisis that clings to me like a dull aching sadness so that's from the epilogue and uh, after this i just try and uh, uh, you know put together all the mm-hmm. lessons that i have learned all the uh, solutions that i can think of uh, and at the end of the book i also try and um, collect a number of different very good uh, non-profits that are working in this area um so that if anybody is uh, inspired to work uh, in air pollution after reading the book uh, they have a place to start with 
So again, I really must thank you for this, Prachi. <laughs> thank you. Um, it's beautifully written and uh, even more beautifully narrated. Thank you. So, thank you so much. Uh, it was lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much. I hope that you do more stories on this in the future. Thank you. <laughs>